All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're tuned in to Oilers Nation every day with Tyler Uramchuk. Live every weekday on the Nation Network YouTube. The Oilers never seem to want to do things the easy way. Regardless, another comeback victory last night. Make it two in a row for the Oilers before they head out on the road. Let's get into it all with the lead. The lead is brought to you by our friends at Soho down on Jasper Ave. SohoYeg.com if you like live music. If you like good pizza, if you need a spot to watch the game, Soho has you covered. Check them out, SohoYeg.com. As always, we are coming to you live from the Sports Closet Studio. And it is always a better vibe in the Sports Closet Studio when the Oilers get a big win. An OT victory at that. Maybe you want to celebrate. Go buy yourself a new Leon Dreisaitl jersey. Why not? SportsCloset.ca. They got you covered. It was... A thrilling one down at Rogers place. First off, it was um, Indigenous Night at Rogers. And I thought the Oilers did a great job with that. Ashley Collingbull was the uh, in-arena host. She was great. Lance Cardinal designed these absolute beauties. He is a big, big part of not just the hockey community, but the Yegg community as well. Team wore those during warm-ups. Awesome. Lance killed it. I thought the organization did a great job during the TV timeouts as well, highlighting different people who are key parts of the community. So two thumbs up to the Oilers for that. And the team delivered a big win. It was a game that I would describe as they played good. They were the better team, but there were some really frustrating moments in that hockey game and some frustrating performances from a few players. We'll dig into all of that today on the show. I'm going to let you know that Tab Bamford, He is from the fourth period in Bleacher Nation. He covers the Chicago Blackhawks. He's going to join us a little bit later. 
Um, and you don't see him on the screen here, but Tyson, or sorry, Evan Bouchard scored the tying goal with just 4.4 seconds to go. I'd love to know in the chat, what was your reaction when Evan Bouchard finds the back of the net late? A great play by Connor McDavid to kind of save the face off as well. Um, but Bouchard now has three of the Oilers' last eight goals. And Rusty's in the chat, says he almost scared his cat when Bouchard tied the game, or he did scare his cat. That was crazy. Uh, the building was absolutely rocking as well. Um, they were the better team. They deserved two points last night. I, I don't think there's really much. There, there's not much of a debate there. Like you can even just see here in the shot. So it was forty to twenty-eight for the Oilers. I thought they commanded the majority of the of the play. The frustrating moments, you know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll wait to get into them. Um, Electronic Jordan. Hamblin was largely invisible, I think. Probably a good thing. I thought he forechecked pretty hard. He created a couple of turnovers. He almost got an assist in the first period, um, and that was encouraging as well. What I liked was that Jay Woodcroft played him. It wasn't one of those things where it's like, hey, you're going to get your debut and you're going to play like four minutes. I know people were joking in the chat. Will he even get to five minutes? Well, he played at five on five, nine minutes and 25 seconds. James Hamblin actually played more than Devin Shore, Dylan Holloway, Derek Ryan, Brad Malone, and Clem Costin. Woodcroft played him, and I think the results were largely fine. When he was on the ice, the Oilers outshot the Panthers 5-2. to two. I thought he looked good. He was a little buzzsaw out there, and I like Hamblin. I think he should uh, stay in the lineup. I want to bring in Liam because I know he is barely paying attention because England is playing at the World Cup. So I will let you get to that England World Cup match, Liam. But I want to get your take on uh, last night's victory. And as you titled the show, Bad and Bushy. I can't hear him. I don't think anyone can hear him. Liam named the show Bad and Bushy, which I think is hilarious. And now he's not here to, uh, to describe his great title. That's all right, buddy. That's all right. I'll talk about a few other things that I liked in the game last night. Um, the crazy comeback's great. The OT magic is awesome. The frustrating parts of that game, I thought Ryan Nugent Hopkins had a really rough night, and I think that was part of the reason their power play wasn't particularly effective. Nuge had a couple of really, really rough turnovers. I know a lot of people were defending the Matt Kachuk goal, the first goal of the game. Uh, Darnell Nurse basically deflected it right to him on the side of the net. And people were like, oh, he was trying to block a shot. But he he wasn't is is kind of my follow-up to that. And we do have Liam's mic. Um, oh, you're back. Hello? I'm back. Yeah, you're here. You're here. Okay. You're good. All right. I was I'm just talking about, uh, I was talking about the Darnell Nurse uh, gaffe on the first goal. And like people were saying, oh, he's just trying to block the shot. It's bad luck. He had all the time in the world to let it go into the corner, go get it himself. He could have knocked it down better. Like to me, that was a play that you don't want your top pairing D-man making. And then he followed it up with a handful of other turnovers. He was one of the frustrating points of that game, but it was largely a positive night. No. Yeah. You know, I was thinking kind of the whole time they were in the game. I thought they don't really deserve to lose this one. I, and you kind of felt like something was maybe coming. Like they had the Hyman chance right before uh, Bouchard managed to get it in. But yeah. I guess just on just on the nurse point, like it was such a weird play. It's, it's like he just wasn't thinking what was going on around him. Like there was nobody there, and then all of a sudden he's trying yeah. to kick the ball. And inspired by the World Cup, I suppose, like many people commented on my Twitter last night. But nurse, not one of his bright spots, that's for sure. He, he struggled most of the night. But I think overall, it was a really, really good team performance from what the Oilers 
had to play with. And mm-hmm. it wasn't a lot, but good bright spots. I liked, I liked Holloway's game quite a bit last night. I thought he had good moments yeah. throughout. I thought Paul Yavi played really well in the sense of getting into the right positions. Like we just referenced the Hyman moment. It's like, well, Bush, uh, Paul Yavi was right there screening him to get into that play. So it's promising. And hopefully they can kind of get a bit of momentum now. They've had two very gutsy wins. So maybe this is kind of what this team needs to get get rolling here a little bit too. And I thought Skinner was a little bit unlucky as well for the goals he conceded. I thought overall he had a pretty decent game. Yeah, I thought Skinner was fine. I, I had no complaints about the way Stu played between the pipes. You mentioned Dylan Holloway. He had eight minutes and 16 seconds at five on five when he was on the ice. Oilers outshot the Panthers four to one. Um, the best shot metrics in that game were actually from our boy, Clean Costin. When he was on the ice, the Oilers outshot the Panthers seven to one. He only played six and a half minutes, though, in the hockey game or at five on five. I don't understand why Woodcroft's not playing him more. And maybe it's a part of like, there's only so many minutes that can go around and he's not a factor on the special teams and things like that. Um, But I went ahead and I looked of players who have played at least 60 minutes at five on five this season. There's about 600, 655 of them. Costin has the third best on ice shots for percentage. He's been like a possession machine. Yeah, you, you kind of notice him when he's out there. Like, and most of the time he's in the offensive zone when he's doing it. He's, uh, he's been a good little addition to this team, and we've mentioned it before too. Like, sneaky good pickup by uh, Ken Holland to trade him for a guy who was never going to play on this team, essentially, in Samarukov. And, yeah, I could see, I think he's going to be a really key player for this team, like going down the line here, and especially with so many injuries. I'm, I'm surprised to see him on the fourth line, but maybe that's also a credit to him in the sense of, well, he's actually a really good hockey player and he does this, this, and this well. So we kind of need him to play on these guys to improve that, elevate that line's level. Yeah. Play. I was a little bit disappointed we didn't get to see Tyler Benson in the lineup uh, last night. I thought, again, Devin Shore was largely ineffective. I think Benson can maybe give you a little bit more in the bottom six. But again, they won, so we don't want to nitpick this thing too bad. Uh, Evan Bouchard. We like to toss around the term positive regression on this show quite a bit. And damn it, that is exactly what we are getting with Evan Bouchard right now. This is a guy who was fighting it for a really, really long time. And then last night, seven shots. He had five shots against the Rangers. He's getting pucks through. He's scoring. The turnovers are starting to go down. Evan Bouchard is doing a lot of things really well right now. And maybe it was just a crisis of confidence for him. Like he wasn't scoring. That was hurting his confidence in the offensive zone which was translating to the defensive zone that kind of thing almost like when a shortstop goes and makes a couple of errors and then they go into a hitting slump right at the plate like their defense follows them almost the reverse for Bouchard he was struggling in the offensive zone and then in his own end he was maybe just trying to overcompensate or whatever whatever it was he seems to be through the slump now is my point yeah, you could see he was fighting it in wherever he was on the ice and it was never going well for him, but massive goals for him. And you could, I guess, to just see the emotion after he scored that goal and how big it was for him and everyone just kind of grabbing him while he's on the ice and then two other big ones the other night. You kind of kind of hope, I guess, guys like uh, Poyavi, for example, can maybe see that and be like, okay, like, that I can do that too. And he had chances as well. So maybe this is it. Maybe this it's time for these guys to step up now with so many guys off the lineup and Bouchard's yeah. definitely doing that. 100%. Uh, let's turn our attention to the chat. We are live on the Nation Network YouTube where you can have your say in the chat there. Um, also, while you're at it, do me a solid. Hammer that like button as well. A lot of you guys talking about the huge dub last night. 
there's something else here that that I will get into. Um, Chris says Bouchard for Norris. Book it. Electronic Jordan says get Liam to a TV. Do you have the England match on next to you? Yes, I, I have it on my iPad right next to me. We're we're all okay. good, everyone. It's still coming home. Okay, it's it's coming home. Um what else we got going on here? There is a lot. You guys have a lot to say today. Uh, Tyson says, what a shot by Bouchard. Completely automatic top corner one-timer. Bang, bang. Like, it was great. Um, and again, a great job by McDavid, I thought, off the face off as well, because that very easily could have been a lost draw. Um, we talk, we talk, like The Oilers, they're playing through injuries right now. But I pointed this out on Daily Face Off Live today. The Panthers were missing Alexander Barkov. And where is Alexander Barkov the most effective? Defense and face-offs. Man, that that game, that game's different if Alexander Barkov's in the lineup for the Florida Panthers is all I'm saying. Not to take anything away from the Oilers, because again, they were the better team last night. Against the Rangers, they they probably didn't deserve that game. They just played good for like 20 minutes. But against Florida, I will say, I, I thought it was not quite a full 60-minute effort. I still thought out of the gates they were a little bit weak. Um, but I, w- I would call that one a 45-minute effort, and that's pretty good. Eric says Nurse was painful. Didn't love it. Losh says Nurse had a rough game, but made up for it at the end. Yeah, I mean, he sparked that last rush in overtime. At the end. Leon Dreisaitl in OT. That is why I'm rocking the uh, L50NT from Nation Gear. We got new Neon Leon gear up at the site as well. So head to nationgear.ca. Hyman's goal got called back. Yeah, Hyman's been watching too much World Cup, says Steve. 100%. <laughs> Uh, there was no doubt on that one. You could even tell by the way Hyman celebrated that he was kind of like, eh, I don't think that one's going to stand. I was surprised that the Kachuk goal stood actually though. Um, or sorry, the, the play with the high stick from Kachuk. I, I thought on the replay, like it was close. Cause I know it's shoulders, not crossbar. If it's not an immediate or if the puck doesn't go in, it looked like he had almost jumped up a little bit though. And then hit it right above his shoulder level. I don't know. I thought that was an interesting call. Like watching the replay, I was like, oh man, this one's going to come back and, uh, you know, it's going to stay a tie game or whatever. But again, at the end of the day, not that, uh, not that important. And Matt Kachuk scored that first goal, little hand to the ear celebration. But who got the last laugh? Matt Kachuk has now lost. Someone on Twitter was saying this. He's now lost his last five games in Edmonton. That's true. That is, uh, that is quite the number. Uh, Steve says, notice how Bouchard was chill after the goal. Yeah, he just uh, he was just kind of hanging out there. I thought it was funny. Uh, Clumsy Ninja, I heard Jack say Dry was at like 80% face-offs after two periods. Yeah, he might have been. I did think it was pretty good in the dot as a whole last night. Um, okay, there is a bunch of you who are talking about how I'm trying to kill the beat cast. We will get into that. that it, after we get to our guest segment today, I will set the record straight for our beat cast for the beat cast drama because i think my name is getting dragged through the mud on this and i'm just not going to stand for it anymore i tried to get in on the beat cast with bag milk yesterday he wouldn't bring me on he he is afraid he is shaking at the idea of the truth getting out and we're going to set the record straight uh the oilers are going to be in chicago tomorrow they start back-to-back games they take on chicago and then it's mini for We're going to talk about Chicago in a second, but the fact that they play Minnesota three times in the next like two weeks is weird. Another weird scheduling quirk this season. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about 
work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Um, but let's focus on tomorrow's matchup because it's coming against the Chicago Blackhawks. And joining us to get set for that matchup and talk a little bit about the Hawks is Tab Bamford. He is the lead Blackhawks writer with Bleacher Nation. He's also with the fourth period. Tab, welcome into Oilers Nation every day. How's it going, man? It's good. How are you? Oh, it's fantastic. Things are going well. Oilers fans are in a good mood after back-to-back wins, and they're looking to make it three in a row tomorrow against the Hawks. And this Chicago team, they got off to like a surprisingly good start. And then things have kind of gone off the rails as of late, which is one win in their last 10. What's gone wrong in Chicago? Everything. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so where do we begin? Um, So here's the reality in Chicago. Obviously, when you trade guys like Alex DeBrinkett and Kirby Doc, you're hitting a reset button as an organization. And we knew going into this season that this Blackhawks team was going to be offensively challenged. Um, They were playing well early in the year with Tyler Johnson playing on the top line with Jonathan Tabes. And he looked healthy and was really skating well, probably the best that he skated in two or three years. Uh, Unfortunately, a high ankle sprain took him out of the lineup and he still isn't back. And it's going on about a month now. Um, which kind of shifted everything, right? So the best line that the Hawks had during that surprisingly good start was probably their third line, which was Philip Kirishev, uh, Jason Dickinson, and Sam Lafferty. Dickinson, who they just absolutely stole from Vancouver in a hilarious salary dump trade that yeah. couldn't have looked better from a Chicago perspective to get a second rounder and a good player for really a bottom pair slash seventh defenseman in Riley Stillman. But that line was really playing fast. It was playing with confidence and they were kind of driving a lot of what was going on for Chicago, making life hell on opponents. When Tyler Johnson left the lineup, they were like, okay, so now what? So then Kurashev starts moving around the top six a little bit. Now Sam Lafferty's out with an upper body issue and Seth Jones leaves the lineup for the better part of 10 games. So then your blue line is a mess and you've got guys like Caleb Jones. So I don't have to tell you guys about the limitations of uh, you know, skating 18, 19, 20, 21 minutes a night instead of 14 or 15. And when, you, when you've got a really thin margin for error and you take some pretty important pieces like a top six forward and your number one minute eating defenseman out of the lineup, it just makes it that much harder. And then you ran into a tough stretch on the schedule 
And the reality is that uh, an offense that was going to struggle in the first place has really struggled lately. Uh, and the Blackhawks are back to where I think most people thought they would be, and that is uh, in the battle for Bedard's sweepstakes. Yeah, and, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how they play out the rest of this season here because they have a handful of really interesting trade chips. I'm going to ask you about Taves and Kane in a second, but I want to focus for a bit on Domi and Athanasiu. These are two guys who basically from the second they signed and everyone saw, oh, it's a one-year deal at around $3 million bucks. It's like, they're going to try flip these guys, aren't they? And uh, I guess my question is, have have has AA and Domi, have they built up some trade value here with their play in the first month and a bit of this season? Oh, I think absolutely they have. Now, the, you know, the, the wild card here is Domi wanted to come to Chicago because he wanted to play for Luke Richardson again because they've got a great relationship. So the question is, you know, with Domi, is is he playing well enough that you think about keeping him around? Um, I think the reality is if he really wants to play for Richardson, he wants to be in Chicago, you re-sign him after this year because you'll have that option because, like you said, he signed a one-year deal. Uh, Athanasiu is probably the best guy on this Blackhawks team at creating chances right now. His speed is next level. I mean, he's he's one of the few guys in the league that can probably be in that conversation for maybe can keep up with a guy like McDavid. Um, and he, he's playing with a lot of confidence. So I think he's he's done a really nice job. For me, the question coming in with Max Domi was, if he's going to be a top six center, what's he going to do at the dot? Because... He's historically not been a great faceoff guy. And one of the issues that Chicago has had the last few years, especially with Jonathan Tabes missing the 40-game season and then sitting out or coming back but not really being himself until about the middle of the season, was who else is going to take faceoffs and what are they going to look like? Kirby Doc was abysmal at the dot, which is why I think a big part of why the Blackhawks moved on from him. And he's found success in Montreal playing the wing. Dylan Strome was pretty bad at the dot here until about the middle of last year when he realized it was a contract year and it's time to buck up and get in the lineup. And then he was terrific. Jonathan Taves is the best face-off man in the NHL right now. If Patrice Bergeron didn't exist, he'd probably have multiple Selkies at home. And he's playing back at that level this year. Domi's come in and he's winning like 60% of his face-offs this year, which if you given me the opportunity to bet on that in September, I would have laughed and put my wallet away. So full credit and full marks to Max Domi for being a great face-off guy so far. He's putting up points, but the rock in the hard place is that the Blackhawks offense as a whole has been snake bit. Uh, Patrick Kane talked after the morning skate today about how he and Max have created some really good chances and just haven't been able to finish. Um, and so it looks like, uh, you know, quick news nugget for your Oilers fan base. You might be seeing 19 and 88 riding together to start the game tomorrow night uh, based on what they were doing at the morning skate today. Uh, but I think Domi and Athanasio both have got a pretty intriguing case for especially contenders that are looking for somebody in that middle six uh, to come in and, and provide some offense. And for Domi, I think his value might be higher of the two just because he's doing so well in the face-off circle. Uh, and he, like other guys in Chicago, have given a lot of credit to both uh, Taves having to go against him in practice every day and Yannick Perot, who's maybe the greatest face-off guy in the history of the NHL, who is a, a kind of a, a behind-the-scenes assassin in Chicago working with the centers to improve at the dot. So, yeah, I think they both got great value. Uh, I think depending on what you're looking for, either one of them could be a really nice piece 
in that middle six conversation for a team that either needs to add speed on the wing or a little bit of sandpaper and a guy that can create some chances around the blue paint down the middle in Domi. It's interesting what you said, though, about Domi potentially wanting to stay there and, and the connection to Richardson. I always said part of the reason the Oilers rebuild, rebuilds, however you want to put it, part of the reason that took 10 years is because from the jump, they ripped it down to the studs and they had no talent. And all these young players who they were starting to draft and bring into the lineup, they they had no veterans to lean on. And I think there's value in keeping a guy like Domi around who can, you know, he's, he's been in the NHL for six, seven years now. He knows kind of how the ups and downs can go and maybe the young guys can lean on him. Um, I, I want to wrap this up by asking you a little bit about Jonathan Taves. He's quickly emerged for a lot of people in Edmonton as the dream target for Edmonton come the trade deadline. A guy who can give you just solid defensive play behind McDavid and Dreisaitl. And it seems like it's been a bit of a renaissance year for the Hawks captain. Sort of what's allowed Taves to click back into form this season? Well, he's always been that guy. And the reality with Jonathan Taves is he probably could have been a 40-goal-a-year guy from the get-go in his career but made a conscious decision as a captain to take a step back offensively to really drive the play through the defensive end of the ice. And they've got three rings because he and Marion Hosa were the hardest line to play against. And you had two guys that could go get 40 at will who were also two of probably the five best defensive forwards in the entire National Hockey League skating on a line together. So a couple years ago, right before the pandemic, he was really bouncing back and you were starting to see that offense increase. Unfortunately, he got COVID. His body wasn't right when they knocked the Oilers out in the bubble. And then he took the year off to get his or 40 game season off to get his body right. And last year he was still getting back into the flow. This is a guy that is as serious a competitor as you'll have in the entire National Hockey League. He takes, he values the game. He understands the history of the game. He knows what he means on the ice. And he, he would not have come back this year. If it was a let's see what we've got left in the tank, he came back specifically to extend the third finger on both hands at everybody that said he was washed last year. And he's doing that. And it speaks to the character of the player. So what you're getting right now is a driven Jonathan Taves who is really out there just proving people wrong that this is, a, you know, a one legged farewell tour. This is a guy that if he wants one could probably go out and find another contract after this and can probably go contribute to a, a team, whether it be the Blackhawks or otherwise for a number of years down the road. Again, if, if that's what he chooses to do, the hard thing for me, when you look at whether it's Kane or Taves heading to Edmonton at the deadline is I, I agree with you. that Taves would probably be the better fit up there than, than Patrick Kane, just because he brings that defensive element to the table. But you're going to have to find a third wheel probably to eat some of that 10.5 cap hit, even at the deadline, just because Edmonton's up against it. And that's just going to make it a more expensive proposition for everybody involved. And there are going to be other suitors that line up for Taves. And I really think that if Edmonton wants to make a run and really go for it, if you're going to spend between three and $5 million in full season realized cap hit, going out and getting a defenseman that can give you between 18 and 21 minutes a night probably makes more sense. Um, just because at the end of the day, leveraging the assets that you're going to have to, to take a captain out of Chicago and involving a third team to make the finances work for what will ultimately be a third line center. Just it's kind of hard to, to rationalize that 
unless I'm in your position and you're like, we're this close and we haven't gotten there yet. And this is a guy that could get us there. Screw it. We'll, we'll give you whatever you want. We just want to get a ring. And he's the difference. And, and the hard thing for Edmonton too, is if it comes down to a bidding war between Edmonton and let's say Colorado or Jonathan Taves, you know, which, which position is, is he going to want to take with that full new move clause? Cause probably slots as a two center in Denver versus a three in Edmonton. Uh, and he might be more comfortable playing on the two line than the three. And frankly, the way that he's playing, he he's probably got better value for what it's going to cost to get him at a two center line. But uh, at the end of the day, he and Kane both have full no move clauses. They're going to have to want to leave. Um, and I think at this stage, I would bet more heavily on if one of the two was going to leave, I would bet more heavily on 88 than 19 actually having that conversation and, and moving on just Jonathan Taves is the longest tenured captain in the history of original six franchise. And he understands that uh, he he's always been a student of the history of the game. He knows what that means. Um, he's got relationships with guys like Mark Messier, who obviously Edmonton watched go win a cup somewhere else, but he also understands what it means to be the face of a franchise in a big market and do something special. So It'll be very interesting to see what happens, but I, I think there are a number of interesting pieces from perspective in Chicago that could help that. Uh, in, even maybe a guy like Jake McCabe or, or Jack Johnson on the blue line that might be able to shore some of that stuff up on, on the backside for you, especially Johnson, whose cap hits under a million bucks. Um, and he's playing north of 20 minutes a night for Chicago. But uh, the cap is going to be the cap this year, and Edmonton's kind of in a tough spot. Uh, with how much they want to leverage what they can from Evander Kane being out and how they fix that. Um, because, you know, over the over the weekend, Elliot Friedman said that, you know, Edmonton might be looking for a middle six, bottom six type sandpaper guy. And there might be a couple options like Jujar Kara, who was with you guys a few couple years back. Um, you know, a guy like Boris Kachuk, who also, you know, when you're talking about filling out a roster and, and having good depth and complementing what you already have, guys like that, again, using the assets that you have wisely, you might be able to get those guys and maybe a defenseman for less than it would cost to get Taves and the total sum of uh, financial obligations that you'd be bringing in on a, on rentals would be less than just going after the one big alpha that, again, in a third-line role might not be worth the price tag if you're Edmonton and you don't want to be a one-and-done and be searching for another remix salad this summer uh, to circulate around Dreisaitl and McDavid and try and put something together that you can actually sustain instead of just chasing one. Yeah, that's really interesting. I like the point you brought up about Taves and, and kind of his legacy as the captain of the Blackhawks as well. That's something as we sit here on this show and seemingly every week debate, is he a realistic fit? What would they have to give up? Can they make the money work? I think that's a point we've been overlooking. I really appreciate your time today, Tab. Thanks for hopping on the show for a bit. Absolutely. Thanks. Perfect. Enjoy the game tomorrow night and uh, we'll chat soon. All right. That is Tab Bamford from the fourth period. He is also with Bleacher Nation. You can find him on Twitter at the one tab. It's got some fantastic insight. Covers the Blackhawks like a blanket. Uh, let's move along to the wrap on today's show. We are going to talk betting in a second. Um, but first, a lot of you are saying you're buying into bag milk's propaganda. This whole thing that Tyler wants to end the beat cast. It's just not true. I am not the one who wants to end the beat cast. There is a want 
for a show that is on a platform or more platforms than just Instagram. So I said, well, we can build that up. We can start a show that exists on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, the way you guys take in this show, right? Someone's already calling me a cat food eater because I'm bringing up this uh, this conversation. But anyways, the point is a show that is more widely available than just on the Instagram. I never said it had to end the B-cast. I said the two could coexist. Apparently, they can't. Apparently, some people don't see it that way. Also, a lot of people seem to think it's going to be me hosting this post-game show. And I'm not going to be hosting the post-game show. We're going to have potentially someone new hosting the post-game show who doesn't even work for Oilers Nation yet. So anyways, I the BeatCast thing, it got out of hand. And Liam, you're in this with me. I'm not going to let you run around in the BeatCast chat and, and run my name through the mud. We are tied at the hip. We are an Oilers Nation everyday duo. I can't hear Liam again. Liam, your mic isn't on. Liam is trapped in a glass box of silence. One day we'll figure this out. We've only been doing the show for two months. Um, Sam Squatch says, don't knock cat food until you try it. I My plan is to not have to try it. The Boston Bruins, they seem to have some uh, some different ideas. Jilly says, totally agree. Would love a post-game show. See? There you go. Oh, Liam, you're back? Hello, buddy. Th- there you go. I think I'm back. I'm not sure what's going on. I come to the studio for better gear and it makes me worse, apparently. So, but you know what? We won't be getting this on the new post game show after we kill the beat cast, right? There you go. <laughs> uh, Rusty says, Liam, the goat. Chris Thank says, you. convenient. Your backup is silent. Listen, <laughs> I'm just not going to let bag milk run around with this narrative that I'm like out to get him. It's just not true. It's not true. I'm not going to stand. Uh, Dr. Gonzo Zanny says late to the party, huge win last night, feeling good. And also Connor McDavid scored. Connor McDavid went over a point and a half. Evan Bouchard mm-hmm. went over two and a half shots on goal. It feels good. Feels good to get some wins in the betting department, Liam. Yeah. Tonight was a, uh, uh, sorry. Last night was a good one. Two and oh, Connor mm-hmm. McDavid, Oilers win. Was sleeping on a mattress of cash. And tonight we will hopefully be doing the same. I'm just going to go with two money lines tonight, though. I'm not going anything crazy. Pittsburgh Penguins over like Carolina. It. Pittsburgh has been has been pretty good recently. And they're at home, and Carolina's been a little, little up and down in the last 10, so we're going to go with a hot hand there. And also, Vancouver have won three in a row out of nowhere. From the depths of the NHL, yeah. the Vancouver Canucks are on the rise. And Washington, similar to Carolina, has been struggling to find a stride. So I'm just going to go with two home teams here and... Hope that the win streak can stay alive and we can keep going perfect for the rest of the week. I, I don't hate either of those spots. I also really like my pick of the day was the Seattle Kraken. They are road underdogs tonight against the LA Kings. Seattle's mm. been like the second best team in the NHL in the month of November, and they're 7-1-1 on the road this year. So I love Seattle on the money line tonight as one of my bets. Going to be hammering that. Uh, Spiced Oil says AA to score tomorrow is a lock, right? Probably. Although, to be fair, the Hawks roster has a lot of former Oilers, like we talked about with Tab. Um, you obviously have Caleb Jones, Jujar Kara, Andreas Athanasiu. He was here for a cup of coffee. So there's a few candidates to score against the Oilers tomorrow. Um, tomorrow's show. I almost forgot about this. I'm going to be out doing something with Short for the Giant. 
going to be doing some Christmas themed charity work with them in the afternoon or in the morning. So tomorrow's show will be an hour delayed. So set your timers for that. One o'clock tomorrow is when we're uh, planning to start Oilers Nation every day. Um, again, we'll be doing some cool stuff with Sherwood Ford. So keep it locked on the Instagram and the Twitter to see all of that. Uh, but yeah, tomorrow's show is going to be one o'clock. Liam, don't forget. All right, Liam's mic is gone again. I don't know what's going on today. Maybe Liam's intentionally muting it because he's like, hey, listen, man, I just want to watch the England match. You can go watch the England match. I'll release you. Uh, Parker is in the YouTube chat and says, I'd take Domi if he were to shake loose. Yeah, I, I, I think Tab brought up an interesting point of him potentially staying in Chicago, but it could also be one of those situations where maybe you just talk to Max Domi and say, hey, do you want to go play in the playoffs somewhere? Go on a run for two months? Yeah. Okay, we'll move you. And this July, you can re-sign. We'll sign you for three years this time because we know you work here. Um, so I don't know. I, I think he ultimately will shake loose. Um, $3 million cap hit for the Oilers. That's very easy to keep. I thought Tab brought up a really interesting point as well. Of, okay, Taves, if he leaves, is going to cost a lot. Assets-wise, cap hit-wise, there's a ton there. It's a complicated trade to have to make. It'll, it would be an impactful trade. But if you're the Oilers and, you know, Taves retained twice is down to two and a half million dollars. If you get that, that third team involved. All right. Domi at 50% retained is 1.5. You could also get, I, I don't love Jack Johnson as a, as a fit, but he won a cup last year. He's 950 K against the cap. He's been playing 20 plus minutes a night. He's a left D. Maybe you view him as an upgrade on Ryan Murray. So Jack Johnson and Max Domi for nowhere near the acquisition cost of Taves for basically the same money as Taves at twice retained. Maybe the Oilers can go bargain bin shopping with the Hawks to an extent is the point I'm, uh, I'm trying to make here. Eric says, are the Kraken paper tigers? Listen, they're going to, they're going to fall off a little bit. They're not a, they're playing at what? A hundred plus point pace. They have 29 points in 21 games, a 690 points percentage. They're not 110 point team. They're not a 100-point team. I think they could be a 90-point team. I think at some point, they're going to have a rough run. But right now, in the moment, to get them at plus money against the LA Kings is just too good of a spot to pass up. Seattle's won five in a row. The Kings have five wins in their last 10 games. So, Oh, Eric says, I live in Seattle, but I'm an Edmonton fan. I don't buy Kraken being a contender, but they have looked good. Um, yeah. They, they've looked great. I, again, I don't, uh, it's getting to the point where it's hard to be like, oh, they're not a playoff team. Cause again, they've built themselves up such a nice cushion at 13, five and three. But if you gave me good enough odds, I'd be betting on the Oilers catching them at some point this season. Right now, the Oilers are three points up on the Calgary Flames. Although Calgary does have a game in hand. Edmonton only three points back of the LA Kings and the Oilers have two point, two games in hand there. So the LA Kings are kind of within spitting distance of the Oilers right now. Dr. Gonzo, what do you think about targeting Chikrin with the Yotes throwing in Nick Ritchie? See, and I look at Arizona after Tab said what he said about Taves and the lower pieces there. Like, maybe you don't go after Jacob Chikrin in Arizona. Maybe you shop around the bottom parts of that lineup a little bit more. And Nick Ritchie's an interesting candidate. He plays with size. 
2.5 million, you get them to retain half UFA at the end of the year. So he'd be 1.25. Maybe that's a guy you look at and go, Hey, he'll make an impact in our bottom six, make us better. And he doesn't cost us that much to acquire. Chickering. Yeah. I, I think he'd be good, but he's got to be healthy. I wouldn't touch Chickering unless he's played and stayed healthy for a month. And then I'd call Arizona and have the conversation. But Rusty says, I think Chickering is a waste of time. I haven't seen anything that proves he's an elite guy that'll help this team. He's injury prone. Hasn't played enough. Yeah. Bison Kingstan says, uh, Schmaltz, please. He's 5.8 mil. There's no way you could squeeze Schmaltz in. There's no way Arizona would uh, be willing to retain the money over the next three, four seasons to make that work. Don't see it. Pipe dream. It is a pipe dream. Um, Twisted says, looking at the Oilers' schedule, they have a good chance to gain some ground in the next 10 games. They do. Like, again, there's no easy nights in the NHL. Anyone can, can honestly beat anyone, but if there was a stretch that the Oilers can take advantage of, you get Chicago tomorrow, Mini on Thursday, Mini's been inconsistent, and it's Montreal, Washington, Arizona. All of those games at Rogers Place. All three of those teams are below 500 on the season, correct? No, Montreal's actually above 500. They're 11, 9, and 1. Um, but still, teams that are struggling right now. You can take advantage of this next stretch if you're the Oilers. It's a big one. And we'll have a big short for giant game day edition of the show tomorrow to uh, to break it all down again. Going to be going live at one. The show is going to be an hour later tomorrow, but I'll be there. I think Jay will be there. Liam will be there. We'll have his mic all sorted out. I think it's on right now. Actually, Liam, what's the score in the England match? It is nil nil with England on the attack. Good stuff. Love it. Love it. We'll uh, we'll chat again tomorrow. Liam and I will be out with Sherd Ford doing some fun stuff. Uh, that is going to be a wrap on today's edition of the show. Shout out to Sherd Ford, the giant, the sports closet, and our new friend Soho on Jasper Ave. Check them out, SohoYeg.com. Thanks for tuning in on the YouTube. Hit that like button before you go. Hammer the subscribe button as well. And we will chat again tomorrow, 1 o'clock Mountain Time. See you then.